Hello, sports is job listeners. I am back with another episode, and our special guest today is Bree Lewerke, who currently works for Sports Engine. She's done internships with the Washington Wizards. She also is a freelancer, and she has some pretty amazing photography skills. I, I've been consuming it for the past couple of days on her Instagram. But welcome to the podcast, Bree. How are we doing? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well and just really appreciate you having me on today. So I have to start off. So the one thing I noticed, and I'm sure everyone else there have noticed it too, is your passion for basketball. And it's pretty crazy. Like like, like when I was looking at your Instagram feed and, and really doing research on you, um, it really started from a young age. And I, I want to talk about that versus where did that basketball passion come from? And let me pull up a a couple pictures here, a couple shots that I saw that were pretty cool. You had this one of, of talking about how you like to see young fans fall in love. Um, and then you had this super old throwback, throwback <laughs> Thursday picture of you back in the day. And I remember wearing jerseys like that as well. So where did your, uh, where did your love for basketball? How, how did you develop the love for basketball? Uh, no way you pulled up a picture from 424 weeks ago bro (laughs) i did my i do my research i go all the way back way back here oh my gosh that is hilarious (laughs) man that took me out okay um get back to it uh the, the love of basketball yeah it came it came from both playing and watching um like I can remember as long as I can remember I grew up watching March Madness with my family and filling out a bracket like since I was old enough to like write and comprehend um and basketball and sports was just always part of my household we were big Vikings fans growing up unfortunately and um I played like three sports throughout high school and so it was always just kind of part of my life. And, um, you know, I never honestly really realized that it could like turn into a career. So I, when I went to college, like it wasn't even something that I really considered. Um, I guess I just didn't know the opportunities at the time. And, um, like the whole time that I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, like all of a sudden I was like, wait, sports, duh. Like Mm -hmm. I love sports. Like I've played sports. I watch sports. Like why wouldn't I try to work in sports? And so, um, yeah, it really just started from like being around it so much. I had a younger brother who also played a lot of sports and watched a lot of sports and like we're still close to this day and talk about games on and stuff like that. So it's just kind of always been in the family. And that's the interesting for me because, you know, your journey, you know, you worked full time at John Deere and it wasn't until, you know, your junior year, senior year where you got that internship with the Washington Wizards um, that you realized like, hey, like I want to work in sports, working in sports is a thing. So when you were in college leading up to your senior year, what was the plan? I mean, what were you planning to, to do? And I mean, some people don't have a plan, right? I mean, I think that's like a, a regular case for a lot of people. And then somehow, some way they realize like, hey, this is the path I want to go down towards. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't have a big plan at the time. I thought I wanted to be in like public relations, maybe for like a marketing agency or something. And like, I can't believe right now that I thought I wanted to like write press releases and stuff like that. Like no offense to people who do, because I totally get it. But, um, it was just, I, I kind of just felt like I had to pick something. Like, I don't think I declared my major until my sophomore or junior year. And I just felt behind seeing other people kind of figuring things out. And so I just, was like, hey, here's a major that could apply to like pretty much any industry. Um, And, you know, it helped because it helped with my writing skills a lot and stuff. But then 
um, yeah, when I was just working a job one summer, I was like, I really need to like find something that I'm passionate about because I was working a nine to five. And when you start working a nine to five, you realize how much of your life you dedicate to that. And so you're like, if this is what I'm going to do, like, I have to make sure it's something that I love doing if I'm going to dedicate this much time to it. And, and for me, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and you've expressed this on other podcasts, how, you know, you were working full time you know, with John Deere and, and you applied to like 50 different internships and 50 different jobs. And then and we luckily the Washington football team and the Washington wizards came calling. What do you think how, or yeah, like, what do you think made them take the chance on you? Because when you look at your resume, right, you, you were like, well, how qualified were you to actually get the job working at John Deere? So what do you think it was? And then and as far as like, I want to talk about like those feelings that you had at the time when you were applying, like, what were you feeling? Were you confident? Were you not confident? All of that. Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so I think what made me stand out was um, number one, my cover letter, which I know that nowadays cover letters can kind of be seen as like unnecessary. And I think they are in some cases, but um, like my goal of my cover letter was to make it like really unique to me. And so I used like a quote that I like and gave like real life examples and kind of made it personal. And I think that's what made me stand out at least like when they're looking through resumes, like, because as an intern, when I, the intern who replaced me, I had to go through all those resumes. Like I was the one who read through them and it can get really daunting. And you just kind of look for something unique that will stand out and catch your attention and want to make you actually read the cover letter. And so I think that I, I don't know, but I do think that that is what maybe made me stand out from the crowd at the time because I did not have sports experience on my resume at all. Um, and then when it came to the interview, I think I did a really, really good interview um, at the time. And they asked unique questions that like curveballs that someone, some people get like, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Or like, if you could live anywhere in the United States, what, where would it be and why? And um, I think just like thinking on my feet quick, quickly in those interviews, um, and then like my willingness to move so fast, like I had to, I had to accept the job and move to DC in like two weeks. And so I was just like ready to go and, and try something new. And so I think all of those were kind of factors as to, um, why that, why that happened. But yeah, I guess how I was feeling throughout applying for like 50 jobs was you definitely get discouraged. Like I wasn't even getting interviews. Like, I think it's different when you get interviews because you feel like, Hey, like they see value in me. Um, but at the time I wasn't even getting interviews or calls for, for any of the roles that I was applying for. So I think that was tough, but I was honestly like so determined and like so bored at my job that summer <laughs> that I was like, let's just keep going. Like, it's not going to hurt. Um, and this was like, nearly the end of August. So it was almost the start of school. And like, it happened, like at the last possible moment that it could. So it ended up working out really well. But um, I would just say, like, keep going. Like, if, if my example is anything, it shows that like, when you feel like you're like, not like, it's not going to work out, it shows up just at the right time. So and it ends up working out, but it, it can be a hard process to get there for sure. <laughs> And sometimes it's, it's, it's timing, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. things happen out of our control. They, they happen when they want to happen. And it makes me think about now you posted a, a video. Um, and I saw this article about how, you know, speaking of timing, you hit a halftime shot, halftime court shot that won 25 burritos or something like that. 
And if you did it on a different time, when, when that one student hit the half court shot, you would have won $2,000. So, I mean, the timing of things, you know, sometimes things happen, sometimes the timing. Now, when you look back at your career, your journey, right, I think there's certain pivotal times, certain things that happen at a certain time that really, if it didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are today. So when you look back at your professional journey, your professional career, whether it's professional or personal, it's a big winded question. I know. What do you think is a key moment that where if it didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are today? That is you, you have really great questions. Um, I would I there is something that comes to mind um, and it is when I graduated college, I accepted an internship at the company I'm at now. Um, but it was technically for like a basketball media site. Um, and again, like I told you, like I was a public relations major. And then when I went to the Wizards, I was in their event planning like department. So I mainly focused on events. Um, and so I hadn't even been in like social content, digital, like any of that. And so then when I got this internship with the media site, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. The internship was called like basketball community specialist. And I was like, this has basketball in it, like sounds awesome. And so I applied for it, got it, still didn't really understand what was going on. But once I kind of got a hold of it, I was like, this is a media site that is missing photography. Like we needed to up our content, like our interviews, like design, like the overall brand presence. And I didn't know how to do that. I had no idea, but we did not have the resources, like creative resources and stuff like that to help us. It was like me and one other guy doing this. And so I think the pivotal point in my career was when I was looking at something that I wanted to improve um, and I didn't have the means to improve it, but I figured it out. Like I started watching tutorials on Photoshop and figured out how to use that. I bought like a really cheap camera and taught myself how to use photography. So we didn't have to keep like ripping off other people's photos. Um, I like had no intentions of ever being like an interviewer or a sports reporter, but I started interviewing like high level high school athletes at big events. And so um, I think the pivotal point in my career was when I was like, like, I can figure this out. Like I can teach myself. Like I felt like my whole life I was growing up thinking like you have to follow this education system. And then what you learn in college is like what you're going to do for life. And like at that point, I was like, I can make my career what I want it to be. And so I kind of, you know, just taught myself all of these things and almost like made my, like, like shaped my role at the company because it just wasn't that defined before that moment. So. So who was your lucky uh, test subject when it came to taking uh, pictures and everything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my boyfriend, my yeah. family, um, my dog now is still a test subject and <laughs> Um, honestly, like the first time that I like used my camera, I think was at like Nike EYBL peach jam, which is a huge event. And so like, I just had like the crappiest photos. Like I remember being on the sidelines with like photographers who had like the huge, nice lenses. And I'm here with like my kit lens and $400 camera. And like, I'm like, they have to know that I'm not doing well right now, <laughs> but it was, you have to learn like that. Those are just things that you have to go through, um, to learn and experience and get better. And, and I was lucky enough to take a photography class in high school for like a oh, year. Awesome. So like, I understood how, like some people just think you pick up a camera and just press the button and, but it's more, you know, there's more to it. There's um, I remember they did like the, they, I don't know what the term was, but they do it like a window frame and like capturing the subject in a certain part of the window and certain things like that. So I definitely understand how difficult and how much of an art it actually is. Um, now you, you talk about your, your role at your company has kind of 
I guess, changed over time because certain media entities were dropped and, and now you're doing different things. So what do you currently do in your position today? Yeah, that's a great question. So the company I work for is called Sports Engine. It's an NBC sports group company. Um, my role is like a social media and content specialist. So I manage all of the Sports Engine social media accounts. Um, I work on the content across sportsengine.com. Um, and that involves a lot of collaboration with NBC Sports, which is really cool because um, it's like really good insight into how a big media company works. Um, and I've learned a lot just from working with that team. But Sports Engine was bought out by NBC like four years ago now. And so we're kind of, they're our parent company. Um, we're more in the youth sports space. But yeah, I'm lucky enough to manage the social there and work on the content. So. And it's interesting because I think the sports engine doesn't, it's not really a big name. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, young sport professionals, we constantly go straight for the big name. We constantly go for the big organizations, um, you know, the, the big sports teams, the big companies. And we really ignore like minor leagues or, or smaller, less known companies as sports engine that I've never heard about until I started looking into you, Brie. So I guess for you, you know, what makes your work fulfilling for you? I mean, obviously, you know, maybe people don't know the sports engine name, but you get to do something. It seems like you enjoy it and you love it. What makes your work fulfilling for you? Yeah, I think it's fulfilling from the social side to like create a community and engagement. Um, I think sports engine is probably better known by like parents and coaches because it's very focused on youth sports. Um, and so we have a different audience, like a parents, coaches and athletes audience. And I think it's just really cool to like build a community on social and digital and see people like engaging with content and like finding useful content and just like I, I'm all about creating a community. So I think that's what's really fulfilling from my side. And then obviously just having like good support as an employee um, is also huge for where you work at. Um, so, yeah, I would say like the, the sense of community that I get from doing my job is really cool. Uh, so I'm reading this book called Like a Monk, and it talks about how sometimes in our life, um, you know, sometimes what we do as a profession isn't fully our passion. Maybe you enjoy it a little bit. You like your work, but sometimes you have to explore outside of what your profession is um, to explore your passions. And you, I know you freelance and you, you do photography on the side and that sort of thing. For the other people out there who want to start getting into freelance opportunities, where do they start? How do they how do they get opportunities? Do you have to build a website, a portfolio? Do they have to start putting their work out more? What are your tips for them to get into freelance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm still learning as I go. Um, I think that it's it looks a little bit different for everyone. Um, my journey was, yes, I think building a portfolio is really huge. Um, and I, before I started like an actual website, I actually just started with Instagram. Um, I was taking photos and I had a camera, but I was at that stage where I was like a little, like too embarrassed to share them or didn't feel comfortable or didn't think I'd even get like a following. Like I remember being so excited when like 70 people followed me um, for the first time on my Instagram account. And um, I think you just have to, you have to start showcasing your work. Like I, comparison is the thief of joy and looking at other people and thinking like, I'm not going to post my stuff because it's not as good as this person's. Like we all have our own journey. And I think one of the coolest things about social is like you build a community that watches you grow. Like I feel like so many 
people have been with me, like following me from like the early on days and they've seen how much better, like my photos have gotten and stuff and they get excited for you. And the same goes for me with people that I'm following. Like you kind of watch them get better on your timeline. And so I'm a big proponent of like using social media and just starting to share your work because you'll find people who have the same passions as what you're sharing um, and you'll start to build a community. So then when you do build that website and share it out, like people, like when I first built my portfolio a year ago, like people started retweeting it and sharing it um, just because they want to support you. And so I think um, having your work somewhere, like so many jobs, um, if you apply for jobs require a portfolio. And so I think just having one anyways is really helpful. Um, and like when brands, like for example, if brands approach you, like they'll ask you for your portfolio, um, and kind of where your expertise is. And so having a link on hand like that for when those opportunities do come is really important. Um, and so having just showcasing your work, I think, and then once you get into it, I think organization is really important, like keeping track of, um, like how much money you're making freelance, like what kind of jobs you're doing and just like orga finding organization for like where you're going to send photos, for example, if you're a photo freelancer. And so I kind of like jumped into it without having those things grounded. And I think that's really helpful. Um, even if you're just starting with a couple of clients. And then the last thing I would say is ask your friends and family to like shoot with you and practice and everything, because like if they like the photos and they post it on their Instagram, that's like a free word of mouth. Like it's, it's a really good way to just like have somebody click on the photo and see who's tagged and be like, Oh, that's a photographer. And like, you never know when that could turn into an opportunity. A lot of my like side freelance work has honestly come from like just friends recommending me or somebody that I know within the industry recommending me for a project or something like that. So um, just try to get out and shoot as much as you can. And then hopefully those will turn into like paid projects, freelance projects down the road. So how did you find out what to charge people? Cause I think that's one of the confusing things too, is, is figure out what to set price. How did you figure that out? <laughs> um, good question. I Googled at first, yeah. I was like, and, and there are things like there are really helpful things on Google, a lot of good blogs, a lot of photographers answer these questions for you. So I highly recommend just like searching it first. You can also ask people like I asked other photographers and videographers in the industry when I was starting to kind of figure out what they were charging. Um, but you kind of want to do it based on your skill set. I mean, if you Google it now, it will say like photographers charge 25 to $200 an hour based on expertise or, or experience. And so at the time I was like, when I first started, I was like, okay, I'm kind of like beginner intermediate. And so I think I started charging like 30 to 50 an hour or something like that. And so, um, it, it can be really tough, like, because projects differ. Like sometimes you don't want to do an hourly rate. Sometimes you want to do like a flat rate for like 50 photos. You get, you charge 250. Um, I think I, I think recommending starting with an hourly rate is helpful because you don't know how long your like projects are going to last at first. Like you can't say I'll charge you 250 for one hour. And then you ended up needing like two hours. Um, so I just recommend like looking up average prices, um, starting with an hourly rate. And then once you start, you kind of start realizing like how much your time is worth. Like when you get, like, if you charge like $10 an hour for editing and then you edit like eight hours and you make $80 and you're like, uh, that wasn't worth it. Like you'll, you'll kind of start realizing like your the value of your time. Um, because time is money. Like if you have a lot of projects and you need more time to complete them. And so, um, you kind of start to realize your worth, but I would just recommend for any beginners to like Google a beginner freelance photography rate or something like that. And you can, you, you find an average. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think right now, a lot of my friends 
um, a lot of people in the sports industry with not many actual opportunities out there. I'm seeing a lot of people go into freelance works. And I think a lot of times they, they always, it's just about getting started. So like Bree said, you know, you can Google a lot of this stuff, ask people for information, ask them for advice. And over time, you'll figure out what the process is and what really, what, what your time is worth. Um, now I really want to talk, I want to get into a little bit more fun because I know you've, you've met a lot of players. I've seen that you've interviewed like DeAndre Ayton when he was still in high school. Um, you've been able to shoot a lot of other people. Let me pull up here another picture. Oh boy, I'm not ready for these pictures. Not, not this one again. No, oh no. <laughs> I try to get, it's a Zoom. You see, I have the problem with Zoom here. There we go. Get out of here. Right here, here we go. We got more, we got like you were, you know, all the professional players that you got at Blake Griffin, mm -hmm. Chris Paul. I mean, there's just a bunch of Demarcus Cousins. So when you look back at all the events, and maybe it's not even professional players or a professional event, you know, what were what are your some of your favorite memories when you when you look back at working these basketball events? Yeah, so those most of those athletes photograph that you just showed were all at the Nike EYBL events that I photographed. So those are all the high school events. And they these players are either they have kids that are playing in the league or they just actually come out to watch or like Chris Paul, for example, his team plays on the Nike EYBL, which is called CP3. So a lot of athletes like DeMarcus Cousins has a team come out to support. So you actually run into a ton of um, NBA players at these things. And most of those photos that you saw are me just like paparazzi, like trying <laughs> to get the good shot. Um, I think the, the coolest moment by far was being around LeBron. And that was like it was unreal. Like you just like, you see him on TV and you know, he's big, like, you know, he's huge. And then you see him in person and he's just like life-size and you're right there photographing him. And like, it's, it was just a, a very surreal moment, I guess, like seeing him in person. I feel like everybody else that I've seen, like you think it's going to be a big deal and then it's not like, mm -hmm. like they're just normal people just like me and you. Um, the other person that was really, really exciting. That's not an NBA player, but was at a Nike EYBL event was Jay-Z and I was like, what the heck? Like JC is on a high at a high school basketball tournament right now. Like that was, that was super cool and really unreal. But I think, um, just there, like just seeing like their average people who watch basketball and like seeing them really get into the games, like their son's games or their team's games or, or just like a good game that's being played. Like these are really high level high school basketball players that they know are probably going to be in the league in a couple of years. And so, seeing them like get into it, give advice on the bench, um, support, like cheer, they go crazy. They get mad at the rest, just like all the other parents. Like it's just, it's, it's really cool seeing like their off the court life and like the support of their teams and these kids that like idolize these people. Who are, who are some of the, because you see, like you were saying, you work a lot with the high school tournaments, these high school games. Um, and a lot of these guys are, are in the NBA now. When you when you think of it, who who has been like the biggest surprise that has made it to the NBA and you're like you're you're super happy for them. I think about so I'm originally from Hawaii and there's this big um, high school tournament called the Iolani Classic that my dad and you then I used to go to all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember I got to see like DeMarcus Cousins play in high school. I got to see uh, Michael Jordan in person, his Mike, his his uh, his son's team came down to Hawaii and they were playing. And I remember DeMarcus Cousins by far. To this day, I was like, I got to see him in person in high school, and I was like, there was no way he was going to be as good as he is today. So it's absolutely amazing. So do you have anybody in your mind that you can you can think of? 
I don't know if there's anybody that I didn't think that they were going to be as good as they are because I feel like everybody who plays on the EYBL was like pretty solid. Like they were, they were like, you would know, but I will say um, Tyler hero (laughs) who like was snubbed from the McDonald's all American game. Like he played for Wisconsin playground on the EYBL and like, nobody really cares about Wisconsin. Like people didn't really care about their games. Like they knew that he was, we knew he was good. Like we knew he was really good. Um, but the way that he like showed out in the bubble this year was absolutely insane. And it's just really cool because like it, like he didn't make the McDonald's all American game, which is pretty much like the most prestigious and he's probably doing the best in that class right now. So I think he was more of like an underdog. Like I, we knew he'd make it, but we didn't know he would like go this crazy. So it's been, it's been really cool to like see his friendship with Jimmy and like how they worked well together with the team and stuff. So that's, that's been a fun one. I know shout out to my, you know, living in Minnesota for the past six years. I got a lot of buddies from uh, like Lake Superior side in Wisconsin. So they talked about him all the time and I I don't want to brag, but I got about, I collect sports cars and I bought about 20 of them right when he got drafted. So I got a bunch of his rookie cars. So I kind of, I kind of got the eye for talent here. And and, and I, I knew he was going to be as good as he was, I guess. Nicely done. My brother um, also is very into trading cards. So Mm. I actually kind of know some of that through him and um, he just got like Sabrina and SQ's card and was like freaking out. But yeah, you were ahead of the game. If you bought all those rookie cards, well done. (laughs) So Brie, my last question for you, um, what are your future goals? I mean, what do you have in store for yourself? I mean, 2021 is coming up. Well, what's, what's some of the big plans or some of the things you want to learn or work on? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing that I'm really excited about is to like expand my working with brands. Um, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of cool brands this year. I had some photos in Sports Illustrated. I worked with Slam, Bleacher Report. Um, and most recently, I worked on a campaign with East Bay and collaborated with them. And it's been really, really awesome working with these brands because in a lot of the cases, they kind of just trust your creativity and um, like your ideation as a creator and let you do what you do and then provide the work to them. And so um, it's been really fun working with brands and then kind of like seeing how like my followers and people in my community um, react with that work and engage with that work. And so I'd love to continue working with more brands like freelance photography and social media and stuff like that. Um, and then I think just continuing to get better at photography, um, I'm still constantly learning. So for those of you out there who are in photography for a few years and you like, feel like you should be better by now, like I am still learning. I got a new camera a year ago that I'm still figuring out, like you're constantly evolving, um, as a creator. And so I think getting in more doors as a photographer, I'd love to do more like studio shooting and stuff like that. And so, I think just kind of evolving and then also just finding opportunities in 2021. I think all sports photographers are a little nervous about media access and like how we're going to be able to create content with everything going on. So just um, my goals would just be to continue to like open doors next year. Well, thank you, Brie, for, for coming on the podcast. I know, you know, in this 20 to 30 minutes sharing your journey, I'm sure people will look at, look you up and look at your work. It's, your journey from small town to, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, doing your work, capturing pictures of stars that we see on TV that that we love to watch and, and doing the things that you're doing now, I think it's very encouraging for other people and inspiring. And 
understanding that you were self-taught, you were in the same position where you didn't know if you were going to get certain opportunities, but here you are doing your thing. Um, I think that's very encouraging for people. Now, I know that you've expanded your work. Um, I'm going to pull this up again here. Um, you've expanded your work. You're selling these uh, selling photo prints is what I've seen that you've been posting. So please, you know, plug your social media and then also plug where, where can they purchase these, these selling photo prints? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so my social media is Brie Lewerke, which is hard to spell, so I'll spell it out quick. B-R-I-L-E-W-E-R-K-E. Um, on Instagram, Brie Lewerke photo. And then you can head to brielewerke.com where I'm starting to sell some prints of my photos. It's mainly basketball themed. So all my basketball fans, you can go check it out for some prints for the holidays. Thank you very much for the kind words and for the interview. This has been awesome. To everybody, the Sports is Job listeners, thank you as always. I'll be putting Bree's links all in the episode description and on sportsisjob.com. If you're listening to this on the Apple podcast, I please ask you to leave us a rating and review and please share this with somebody else you may think may find value as well. And like I always say, we are all our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.